again, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, coming to you today, reaching across the Pacific Ocean. Still sitting in Vancouver on the West Coast of Canada, and I'm calling over to China, where I'll be speaking with Michelle Yu, who's Assistant Professor and Research Scientist at the National Center for Health Professional Education Development. Michelle and colleagues have a paper coming out in the December 2022 issue of the journal entitled Medical Students' Rural Practice Intention, Academic Performance Matters. Michelle, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you, Kevin, for having me for this interview tonight. You come to this new center that I understand started about four years ago from a background in economics, which is not the most common background by far for people working in medical education research. How did you find medical education and what made you transition from the economics field into this one? Yes, indeed. Actually, I think I am new and I am a minority in the field of research in medical education in terms of the original disciplinary background. I did my transition from my original organization, which is the Graduate School of Education at Peking University, to my current organization, which is the National Center for Health Professions Education Development in 2018. And I did my transition to the new center because at that time, the center was recruiting faculty because the center was founded jointly by the Ministry of Education and the National Health Commission together. This was a new center aiming to promote education research in the field of medical education. So it is a research center as opposed to a curriculum development or med school administration center. How big is the group that you're working with? The center is not a very big group. It's only 40 people working in the center. Wow. It might not sound big by your scale, but 40 people in any health professional education research center I know of would be very big. In Vancouver, we have four by comparison. Oh, so I should say in this way, 40 people, and most of them working in administrative duties. I see. And only four people working in faculty position. So oh, I see. four okay. people doing research in the center. Right. Okay. It is more similar in terms of the number of faculty anyway. So within that center, are you free to study whatever research issues you think to be important, or does the center have a mandate in terms of what it's expected to study? I should also mention the fact that our center is also the home for the accreditation of medical education in China. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So in terms of this, we have a lot of research resources because we keep a very good relationship between a lot of medical schools in China. I see. Okay. And so given those responsibilities, is that where the focus and interest in getting trainees, professionals into rural care came from? Why did you decide to use this opportunity to study rural workforce issues? 
Yeah, that's a very interesting and important question. Because I am new to the field, I would like to take a lot of opportunities to learn new things in the field. I actually observed the accreditation process of a few medical schools. And as I remember, a lot of medical schools would like to demonstrate their innovative educational programs. But as far as I remember, I didn't remember any schools demonstrate their rural programs. So I am very curious about how their students in rural programs are educated or cultivated. So this is a very initial motivation of our study. Another point is that at that time, I just had a new graduate student coming to our center. And before she began her first semester, I actually asked her to find some opportunities to observe how medical students were training in her hometown. Hmm. Because my new student has also no background in medicine, so I asked her to find how medical students learn and trained in the teaching hospital in her hometown. And she actually, she was very fortunate to observe two groups of students. One group is the regular medical students in just a regular five-year track program. And another group is the rural programs. And my student came to me and say, that she found medical students in rural programs actually seem to not very passionate with their study. Mm. So she was very curious about why. I also very curious about why. And she told me that she asked one of the medical students in their rural programs. And the rural program students, they said to her that her future has already determined because she signed the contract with the local government to work in the future for at least six years in the health center in rural area. So she did not need to study very hard. So this is also one of the motivation that I think I should study the medical students in rural programs. Yeah, interesting. And especially when I think about you having an economics background, you're getting into those issues of motivation and what leads behavior change. So thinking in those terms, there is a large literature on rural pursuit, rural intention, variety of things. What's unique about what an economist brings to consideration of those questions you just described? Yeah, facing this kind of tension, I also checked a lot of previous studies and I was hoping to find whether there are already some studies focusing on the relationship between academic performance and medical students' future career choice. Mm. But as you already mentioned, although there are a lot of literature in the field, but we find very few studies focusing on this relationship. So this is why we would like to do our study exploring the relationship. 
I would also like to thank Professor Jennifer Cleland. When we had the initial idea, we talked with Professor Jennifer Cleland about this, and she also gave us a lot of comments and suggestions from the international perspectives, as she is already established scholar in this field, and she knows a lot of literature in this field. So she also thinks this is a very interesting point to study. So this is why we began this study. You drew upon something, as I understand it, called optimization theory. And I imagine many of our listeners wouldn't know what that is. So can you explain it in a nutshell? Yeah, this is about the economics. You mentioned the maximization or optimization mechanism is one basic mechanism in economics. Although there are lots of definitions for economics in the dictionary, but I like the definition that says economics is a study of decision making facing limited resources. So it's a study of choice, no matter how people choice or how organizations choice or how our country choose. Economics is a study of decision making facing limited resources like this definition. For simplicity, we can use a simple example, like if you have $100, you are shopping, what you are going to buy and how many you are going to buy, how many pizza or how many video games. Your decision making will maximize your utility. For example, you prefer to pizza, prefer nutritious. Maybe you would like to buy more pizza, but maybe you prefer entertainment. Maybe you would like to buy more video games. But the final decision will maximize your utility or kind of perceived net benefits. So I would also like to explain the economics uh, more in detail. So the economics is like invisible hand and is actually behind people's rational decision making. And particularly in microeconomics, which is the study of economics at the level of individual consumers, one basic theory is the consumer theory. It's about consumer decision-making and utility maximization. It shows how individuals make choices subject to how much resources they have and their preference of goods. So here, the resources or the budget constraints can be a lot of things other than money. For example, time, because time is also very limited in knowledge or something like this. So I think economic theory can also be applied in the situation in the rural program students' choice of career, because there are a lot of career paths for medical students in rural programs to choose. But because medical students in rural programs already signed the contract with local government, they may not have a lot of choices available to them. For example, let's make things simpler to explain. Medical students have to pay very high level penalty if they default, if they not choose to go for the rural jobs. 
This is what I referred as the budget constraints or the resource constraints. But for the medical students choosing career jobs, particularly if they are in rural programs, there is another constraint, not budget, but also academic performance. So if academic performance is a signal for the labor market, then academically able students will have more opportunities to choose urban jobs. Or let's say in this way, suppose a medical student have the financial ability to pay the penalty. Another budget constraint that could determine their choice of rural jobs or urban jobs may be their academic performance because urban jobs are better than rural jobs in many ways and students compete for better jobs. Better performers will have larger chances to get their favorite urban jobs. If so, medical students who are not academically competitive may have fewer choices. Maybe the only choice for them are rural jobs. This is why I think that theory of economics can explain or predict how medical students in rural programs make future career choices. I also think that uh, theory of economics can explain or predict the relationship between academic performance as a kind of budget constraint mm -hmm. and their future career choices between rural jobs and urban jobs. I'm going to leave the listeners to look up the details, but just suffice it to say for now that you had a massive number of participants, over 12,000 respondents in this study and showed an association, as you're just describing, between academic performance and rural practice intention. And because it's an association, one could have argued or thought that those who were less able to perform well academically, go the rural route because it's the only option available to them. You also highlighted that if you're committed to a rural position and your path is laid out for you, perhaps there's less motivation to put in the work that would enable the large academic performance. With all that and with the theory that you're bringing to bear on this, I'm wondering what your current thoughts are with respect to what are the implications of the association that you've seen? Where do you think this work is going and or how can it help us to get a highly competent workforce into the places that we need them? Yeah, indeed. Actually, our findings confirm what the economic theory predicted, the relationship between academic performance and rural job choice intention, which is medical students who perceive themselves as better academic performers will be less likely to choose rural jobs if they have freedom to choose. And we also use three proxy variables for academic performance, including GPA ranking. By the way, Chinese students know their GPA ranking in our context. The second one is the receipt of academic award. And the third one is whether medical students had experience as student leaders. And we use these three proxy variables to check if our findings about the relationship between academic performance and the career choice intention is a consistent pattern. 
And as you mentioned, we have a large sample size and we also restricted our analytical sample to only medical students in rural programs who grew up in rural context hmm. and see if this pattern still holds. And actually our findings are pretty consistent. So we are very confident about the relationship we have found. And so till now, we only study the relationship between academic performance and intention for rural work. But we still don't know yet whether the higher academic performance are also more likely to default when they make their real choices. For example, we don't know whether they are not going to take rural jobs in reality, or even if they choose to take the rural job, they will leave rural jobs earlier than their counterparts. And maybe they will do the service less than six years. They're contracted and pay the penalty. And I think these all need further research. But I think our study imply that the rural job intention itself is very important. For example, if I have no interest or intention in the rural working, but I have to take the rural jobs, maybe you can imagine that it's very likely that I'm not going to be loyal to my job and consider either leave the position rural job as soon as possible or physically stay in the position, but actually being absent-minded. I think these phenomena should not be the starting point of any policies or programs educating high-quality rural doctors. So this is one of the implications. And I think more similar research should be done in different countries and in other educational settings. Because I think if the same pattern exists, it might be an indicator or a sign that something either in working environment or in educational process that might be wrong or need to be improved. So that's what I think our research finding may imply. Well, and that's a very good spot for us to wrap up because it does sound like a call to arms of people across the globe who might have similar issues that they're trying to address, but who have different limitations or different strategies for getting people into the rural workforce. So I'll certainly look forward to seeing if these relationships that you've identified differ depending on context and how those differences help us to better understand medical students and their rural intentions across all those contexts. So I will, with that, wrap up by reminding anybody who's listening that if this is a topic of interest, you'll get the details in a paper in the December 2022 issue of Medical Education entitled Medical Students' Rural Practice Intention, Academic Performance Matters. And you, you, or Michelle, you is the lead author on that work and already making quite a splash in medical education. So welcome you to the field and economics losses, medical education's gain. So I hope your work continues to go well, Michelle. Thank you very much to chat with you today. And I also like to thank my co-authors, uh, Anna Xie and Professor Jennifer Cleland for their key contributions of our paper. Thank you very much. Thank you.